Great to be here on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you were with us. A lot to get to here on the show. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, will join us. He's got a full seven-round mock draft out. We'll break it down. Well, not every single pick, but we'll break down some of the early uh, features of that with him coming up in just a little bit. Also, MyJ Sanders, former Camden County Wildcat and defensive end for Cincinnati. One of the top edge rushers coming out in this draft class. First team all at 2020 and 2021. Uh, he will join us coming up in just a little bit as well. Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech quarterbacking legend, will join us coming up in hour number two. Obviously with name, image, likeness. We'll get his thoughts on uh, today's athletes and how they capitalize on uh, the opportunities that are out there. And obviously wasn't available when he was quarterback. And looking back, how many opportunities would there have been for him in his playing time? So a lot to get to here on the show. Obviously a lot of draft uh, coming up here as we lead up to the Super Bowl with the Rams and Bengals. But been everybody that is not Rams and Bengals in that pre-draft process from a uh, front office uh, standpoint from a scouting standpoint, obviously all the college players now in that pre-draft process. What does the pre-draft process look like from a player standpoint uh, over the next what two months leading up to that draft? Underclassmen are definitely going through something different than uh, than uh, seniors are. Seniors get, get a chance to have like extra games, like a East West Shrine or a Senior Bowl. I don't even know if they do the Hula Bowl or anything anymore. Um, but then you got to get an agent. Then you got to see if I got selected to go to the uh, to the combine. And you want to make sure you you, know, you want to start training immediately. I mean, you want to start. You know, we're talking about we talking about the pre-draft or those combine drills, the forty, the L drill, the vertical, all those type things. And if you guys are kind of you know, I know that a lot of guys do this too, which ain't good. Like you just see a guy that maybe he you know played at maybe he played at uh, two sixty, and then when the draft, and then obviously he said I want to lose fifteen pounds. And people say, well, listen, that's the thing about that is. If that's not going to be your plan weight, you need to you need to come in at your plan weight, because if you're losing weight just to run faster, then you start talking about where do you train at. I know I know a lot of guys go. You know, Michael Johnson uh, has this thing in Texas, and you got guys that go to Arizona, you got guys that go to Cali, got guys that go to uh, Florida, got guys that go to Atlanta. Who do you train with? Because I think one thing that that's not talked about enough is you want to train with guys that's gonna that's gonna be big time players at the next level, because you kind of want to see, hey man. You kind of want to get him back into that team mode thing because you start rooting for each other. I got a chance to, you know, I mean, BJ, Kevin, when I was down there in uh, New Orleans, you talk about guys like Michael Jenkins and uh, and Bo Carroll and, and, and different guys. I mean, you had, you know, uh, different guys that was out, that I was training with because you kind of want to see you. You kind of want to see, hey, I man, my nerves and my anxiety and all these things I'm going through. It's 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 being it's it's not just me. It's it's a shared experience. But I know this is gonna sound crazy. You want to learn how to sell yourself. You want to do as many interviews, you want to be in front of as many cameras as possible because if you're not a household name and you're not a quarterback or a big-time pass rusher, it's going to be hard to do that. But with so much access now, you don't know who knows who. So the 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 Lewis Riddicks of the world, if the if the uh you know, the Steve Weiss of the world, these type of people, they want to interview you, you want to do it. And I thought that the biggest part would be the physical part. Look, man, if you ain't fast, you ain't going to run fast. If fast guys run fast, strong guys lift a lot of weight. You can't jump out of the gym. It's not going to – you're not going to become super – you know, you're not going to become the Hulk in two and a half months. But you want to grasp as much of this process as possible and probably the most important thing, you want an agent that's going to tell you the truth. I say that because my agent told me the truth. 
He said, Ben, the only reason why I'm on campus is because you're going to be a top pick. If you weren't, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't meet, meet me. And in a sense, you want somebody, you want kind of like that true blunt, straightforward type of mentality coming out at you for, because BJ, every, every, oh, and I would say this too. And I, and I, fellas, please don't look at these mock drafts. I'm going to tell you why. I'm on a plane coming back from Denver. Cam's literally doing a mock draft simulator right now. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about. I know, I'm talking yeah, about the yeah. players themselves because it's like this: you only want, you only agree with the mock drafts that got you going high. As soon as you start slipping, they don't know what they're talking about. BJ and Kevin, Cam, we we've seen this enough to know you number one <laughs> today. You slip the number eleven before the night is over because everybody with a platform gonna have a mock draft. Maurice Jones, you have a mock draft. Terrell. Owens got a mock draft now. so But I will say, make sure you get your agent that's going to tell you the truth. Work out somewhere to where you're really working out. Don't go for the nice weather and the ambiance. Just go somewhere you're going to be working out. Take it serious because I'm telling you, this is the biggest interview of your life. And look, if, if, I, if I leave no stone unturned, I can live with the result because, unfortunately, some of these guys – this going they they've played they last down a professional football they just don't know it yet. Well, something I've heard you talk about before that I think is really interesting because it makes sense, but I'm not sure it's something that we all would think about when you think about prepping for the draft is you say, "Hey, we got to go work out, we got to go train." And you've told me, I know you talk about it in the book, that you are training to get better at specific drills. You aren't just training to get better as a tight end or training to be in the best shape of your life for the National Football League. You are training to try to get down from 4.65 to 4.62 in the 40-yard dash. And you may think, well, what? You know, you have three years of film. What does that matter? Well, it matters. I don't know that it necessarily should to the extent it does. But if you go to the combine, for example, and you run a 4.65 compared to a 4.6 flat or a 4.61, I mean, Kevin, we see it every year. That can be the difference in you having the pre-draft boost of momentum. That can be the difference of you're making some headlines, people are talking about you, and it's not just that, but the three-cone drill, bench press reps, your splits. I mean, and and I think that's really interesting that ahead of the ahead of the draft, not only are you still trying to be a better football player, you're still trying to get in great shape, but you are making a concerted effort to try to get better and improve your your, your measurables in specific drills that maybe we put too much of an emphasis on. But regardless, that importance is there. That significance is there. So a big part of the pre-draft process, right, is being as, as, as effective, as good, as uh, dynamic as you can be in, in these drills. Yes, BJ. And look, I mean, we, we, get too, we, we, we get too caught up in certain things that we cannot, the players cannot control. Like, I'm sorry, but... You're running forty. You're running forty yards. You got real. You got fast. You got real fast, and you got ridiculous fast. That's what you're gonna fall into. Four six for most people. That that that's fast. You just ran four six. Now, depending on the, the, the height and the weight, is gonna decide if that's slow. Tight ends, you running four sixes. Let's do it, cause I mean that means you getting down the field, right? Tight ends is running four fours or four threes like Vernon Davis. You're a freak. That's what you are. I think I think what starts happening. I think being Hardstock said the best man. When you when you six five, you got to prove you cannot play. And when you are five ten, you got to prove you can, because you got to survive out there amongst amongst giants. But I think the pre draft process. I'm gonna say this: it's not for the weak. It is not fair at all, because you start getting singled out. Go to the combine, hey man. I mean, they calling out your name, hey Troop. You got 
you know, 20 teams. You got 10 teams today. You got 10 teams tomorrow. You got 10 teams on the third day. If I didn't call your name, you don't have individual uh, interviews. And that's most of the dudes in the room. Or uh, people pulling you to the side, talking about you go in and get your cleats. You're trying to get fitted for your cleats. Hey, man, man, we got Reebok over here and so-and-so over here. They want to talk to you about the cleat deal. They look at the other tight ends like this. Y'all go over there. I'm telling you, it, it, is, it is about as cutthroat as it get. But the, th- the thing about it is, when guys start asking other guys, like within the, like people ask me, hey, Ben, did I run my route right? Why you ask me? Go, he saw you catch a pay. And it's like, I'm like, look, man, yeah, you look good to me. Like, I'm here to motivate you. But the thing is, coaches walking over, you're going to get some harshness. But you also going to hear this, though. Evaluators will say this, Ben, we get paid to do this, but that don't mean we're the greatest at it. Why? Because we are the same people that said Brett Favre wouldn't play a down in the NFL. He wouldn't play a down. And I was like, what made y'all? He said, cuz, and I mind, man, he was a he was a wild card. He he was he was too big of a project. And look at how that turned out. So just know you got to be very, very careful on who you take advice from. I was supposed to go to the senior bowl. Jim Nagy. I called they called him uh on the phone because I had dislocated my finger. I was gonna go. He got on the phone and told me, do not come. If he told me to come, I would have went. He said, no, nah, Ben, you don't need to come down here because you ain't 100%. I want you to be at 100% down here. If he if I don't get on the phone, with him, uh, and he tells me, you know, he'll tell me, he tell me not, I mean, tell me to come out with a cane. But I mean, I think about stuff like that. I mean, I mean, my my my, listen, this this index finger right here, this thing was way back here, and and I would say this, fellas, too. Ouch! but I would say this too. You got to trust the people you hire. Like if you hire an agent, trust them. Like if the and, but your agent still works for you. If your agent who's been in. Uh, <clears throat> been a part of the process, tell you something. I didn't do nothing to come out because my agent told me not to do anything. He said, if you don't do nothing, Kellen Winslow won't do nothing. Problem is, there was this freak walking around with the first name, is the same first name as me. His last name was Watson. He was a freak. Not only was he a freak, you know, on the field, he was a freak in the classroom. Mr. 49 out of 50. Jesus Christ, just calm down. But I would just say this, just enjoy this thing, though, because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's going to be a whirlwind. You're going to be all over the U.S. If it's an NFL team and they want you to come, listen, I got to see Detroit and Kansas City and Denver and and, and SoCal and NoCal and New Orleans and all this, and ain't but one team going to pick you. I ate some good food. I ate some nasty as hell food. But I had to deal with it. I got a chance to meet guys like Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor comes up to me in Detroit, in the freaking hotel, and says, Ben Troop, you think they're going to like me? And I said, what? He ain't got his hair cut. He ain't got his dreads in his hair no more. I said, Sean, <laughs> if they don't like you, I'm finna go back to the airport. If they don't like you, it's over for me. So that those and you realize too, man, you become fans of these guys throughout the process, man. Like we all vying. I want to be drafted, and I'm and I'm blessed that I was drafted. But you start. I'm rooting for guys of Florida State. You know, Michael Bullard, Greg Jones. I'm like, I wasn't supposed to like y'all, but you realize, but Chris Perry from Michigan. And, you know, different guys. But I, I will say enjoy this process and just know, no matter what nobody says, it's only 250-some guys going to get drafted. It's a gazillion guys coming out for the draft. If everybody you talk to say, man, you're going to be a first-round pick, stop talking to those people because they are patronizing you. I'm telling y'all, you want to get drafted. And for those you think, oh, you want to get an opportunity, you don't, this is what I mean. West Welk in 2004 draft went undrafted. All those picks went by and nobody got him. And look how he ended up, right? 
And so all I'm saying is enjoy this process, have fun with it. But do know this. If you can't do nothing else, if you can't talk about yourself, and if you can't sell yourself to me, why should I buy you? They used to tell us that. If you can't sell me to you, why should I buy your product? And if you can sell yourself, you got a better, cha- better shot of getting drafted. Because if you sit down and say, man, tell me what you like. I like I like food. That ain't going to work. That That's not going to work. And, I, and unfortunately, you, you worked on everything in college. Height, weight, working out. Never, never got, never sat down in an uncomfortable thing behind this mic. They and they used to drill us. We used to have to do two hours a day of straight interviews. And they would say, We judge y'all on the last ones. Not the ones that started in the first hour. That last 10 minutes. And we ask you, what are your weaknesses? And you say like this, man, I'm Frankenstein. I want to get up out of here. That's gonna be the difference of you not getting drafted. Cause they told us we're gonna send these things to evaluators. They were sending these. So trust me, fellas, you always be in watch. Don't get no car if you ain't got no money. Just wait. And I'm sorry, and until you get a check, you are broke. I'm going to say this again. <laughs> until you get a check, you are broke. I, people say, what did you major in in college? I majored in Lent because I had a bunch of them in my pocket. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Leave it alone, but I'm going you know, to root for all these guys, though. We'll, we'll talk more draft when we come back. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, will join us when we come back. He's got a full seven-round mock draft up and running, and we'll talk to him about some of the highlights of that when we return here at 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here on this Tuesday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. The NFL draft right around the corner as well. Everybody else looking ahead to that draft, not named the Bengals. Uh, and the Rams joining us here from Pro Football Network. Ian Cummings joins us here on 3 and Out. Ian, welcome to the show. How are you? Sooner, you know, the Senior Bowl, obviously a, a hectic time where you get to watch prospects, you know, live during the week. So, you know, that took up a lot of time the last week, but it was a nice experience getting to get an up-close look at prospects in different positions. I got to watch the trenches, which I think both the Jaguars and Falcons could have a vested interest in come draft time. So always a, a valuable experience, but happy to be on. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on. And how, how deep are those guys in the trenches, in the, in the field this year in terms of talent, in terms of first-round talent? How much offensive, defensive line talent are we expecting to pull out of this uh, this draft class? Well, I'll tell you what, man. It's a special defensive line class. And I think that was visible at the Senior Bowl. I mean, seeing the amount of talent. I think throughout the entire week, you could say that the defensive line pretty much had the offensive line's number. There were a few nice nice reps from the offensive linemen for sure. But you could tell the talent. It's definitely the talent pool is deeper on the defensive side of the ball. You look at guys like, you know, you know the headliners at the very top. Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo was a very good player this year, George Karloftis. But even going down the line, guys like Jermaine Johnson, Boye Mafe had a dominant showing in the senior bowl. Uh, you got guys like Maje Sanders, Arnold Evicati, Kingsley Anagbare. The list goes on. There's over a dozen edge rushers that could be in contention for a day two pick. And I think they're worth it. You know, it's a very talented class with a lot of different flavors. Going to the interior line, too. I mean, there's guys. You got DeMarvin Leal, kind of that versatile guy who could go edge or three-tech. Uh, you got Travis Jones and Jordan Davis, both guys who, if you're looking for a nose tackle who can two-gap in those odd fronts, he, they got the ability there. But then Perry and Winfrey, he was the Senior Bowl MVP. He was wrecking guys all week at the Senior Bowl. Explosive. He's around 6'3", a little bit over 300, but he's got 35-inch arms. So that's really good proportional length for a shorter guy. And then he's explosive, a really good pass rushing threat. And there's some other guys, too. I mean, I think the edge class is a little deeper than the interior defensive line class. But I think this is a great class if you're looking to add more talent on the defensive front because, as we all know, generating pressure and clogging those gaps and run defense very vital for defensive success. And on the offensive side, there's talent, too. I mean, Evan Neal, Ikema Kwanu, Charles Cross, some of the best tackles in this class. But there's a lot of interior line talent, too, and a lot of versatility 
as well. And I think we saw that at the Senior Bowl. A lot of guys were mixing and matching from guard to center and showing that they can fulfill different roles. So I know, especially in the middle rounds, teams will be looking at that too. Ian, in a a recent seven-round mock draft you did, you had uh, the Falcons getting Aiden Hutchinson at number eight. Uh, Atlanta obviously has, for years, been trying to develop a consistent uh, pass rush. What what are the chances that a player like Hutchinson falls to the Falcons at eight? Yeah, and to be like, with these mock drafts, I always like to play through different scenarios, right? And I think I wrote for the, uh, the Giants pick beforehand, Joe Shane going to the Giants from the Bills, and a lot of teams have specific like thresholds for measurements, like length and wingspan, that they look for in their edge rushers and other positions, of course. It's kind of a thing for every position, but edge rusher in particular, if you're looking for where these guys are going to go and what order, you know, Aiden Hutchinson could have below 33-inch arms. You know, So that is a threshold that some teams want players to meet. And I, personally, I think it's an ancillary factor, but it's not something you weigh too heavily. You've got to look at the player and his abilities and whether he transcends, transcends that. And I think Hutchinson does. I think you look at him, he's got good explosiveness off the line, he's got good flexibility, but his speed to power can be brutal, man. He gets inside your torso, he can drive you back. Super twitchy rusher with violent hands. And that all-out motor, I mean, we saw that all year. Uh, so I, I really think the talent kind of outweighs that. But as we've seen in the past, some teams do weigh that heavily and will take different prospects over a guy who might have more media buzz because the other prospect actually passes their threshold test. So for me, that was the factor that went into Aiden Hutchinson falling there. Ultimately, if you're asking me point blank, I don't think it happens. But as a person who writes mock drafts, you know, and I write, I write one once every month, so my job is to run through different probabilities. You never want to be locked into one scenario because, as we've seen in the past, we never truly know what's going to happen. You know, so playing through that probabilities is key. I think if Hutchinson is there, I think you really have to consider taking him. I, I bet he'd be the top player on the board if he is there, and he immediately fill a need, like you said, needing that consistent pass rushing presence. I, I really like his run defense too, even with without you know elite length. I think he's very good at you know clogging those gaps and, and kind of holding strong, keeping his balance. But if he's not there, I do think there's other options as well, and some of those guys kind of lingered around that position in the mock draft. I think David Ajabo, if he's there, could be a guy. I think Jermaine Johnson, after his dominant senior bowl showing, he could be a guy who rises into the top 15. Top 10 might be a little rich for him, but, you know, never say never. Clellan Farrell went number four overall. No one expected that. So, you know, teams think about these things differently. And so if you're doing these mock drafts, you have to be open to different outcomes. But David Ajabo, he's very athletic. Again, the upside is really gushing with that guy. 6'5", 250, great explosiveness, lateral agility. Trayvon Walker could be a guy from Georgia. Uh, he's, a little, he's a little raw. You know, he's got some work to do on his technique. And his pad level at times can be a little too high, which allows guys to get under you and get superior leverage. But he's another guy. He's got the burst, and he has insane power capacity with his length. So Trayvon Walker, David Ajabo, George Karloftis, just a few guys that could be in play if Aiden Hutchinson isn't there. And then speaking of guys, I mean, you talk about second-day guys when you first came on. I mean, you got the Falcons potentially getting Matt Corral in the second round. I know that uh, Matty Ice is going to be there at least for a year, maybe another another two years. But talk about what getting a guy like Matt Corral could do for a franchise like Atlanta, who at a certain point you're going to have to go out in the draft and get your potential replacement. Yeah, and that was kind of my thought process, you know, like if – the va- only if the value is there should you take a quarterback here Atlanta because I do think you can wait if the value isn't there you know like I think especially next year 
that class, you never want to jump the gun and say a class is guaranteed to be better. But looking at C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young coming next year, those guys are both very good. And, and you know, having studied their game a little bit preemptively, I can, I can say that they could be QB1 in this class if they came out this year. Obviously, they weren't eligible. But, you know, just the comparative exercise, those guys are really good. So if you have an eye to the future, if you think you can, you know, withstand another year with Matt Ryan, just kind of ride him out and then get one of those guys next year. Don't feel like you have to force it in this class. But if a guy like Matt Corral falls in round two, you know, then you're getting a potential, a guy with that upside at quarterback to potentially take the reins from Matt Ryan for a lesser cost. And for me, you know, that opportunity cost analysis is kind of what played into that. I think if you're, if you're Atlanta, and I think if you're Matt, Ro- or Matt Corral, I should say, you know, looking at the Senior Bowl, the five of the six guys that were at the Senior Bowl could be first-round quarterbacks. I mean, was going to Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, who had an outstanding week, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, all of those guys have the talent to be in round one. And Matt Corral not being there, you know, like, don't get me wrong, I don't think anyone ran away with the week, but teams go through interviews. They get more familiar with the prospects in that week and Matt Corral not being there, you know, and he couldn't be there, you know, uh, he wasn't eligible. But, you know, not having the opportunity to get closer to the teams and to familiarize yourself with them, you know, some prospects might have won over teams at that senior bowl and Matt Corral didn't get that chance. So that could Combined with, you know, too, he's also got a smaller frame for quarterback, which for me personally, I don't weigh that super heavily unless you have durability issues, which Corral has had. He's had that in the past. So you have to take that into account, too. Combining the factors, one, I feel like one guy, at least one guy is going to fall in this class. I think there's going to be four or five in round one, but one guy is going to fall. It could be Matt Corral after the senior bowl, after all five other guys had a chance to show their talents on a, on a live stage. But, you know, ultimately, I'm not sure it gets to that point just because the positional value of quarterbacks we, we've seen time and time again even in weaker classes it's gonna drive them up you know teams always need quarterbacks and you know they're willing to take risks on guys if they've proven that they might be worth the investment so you know i don't think it happens but it could you know and if it does you know what does atlanta do then i think if he were to fall you take him but unless he does you know i don't think you should trade up you shouldn't force it because like you said You've got Matt Ryan. You can ride him out, and especially with that roster needing a lot of blue-chip talent on both sides of the ball, this year might be just a great year to restock and then wait until 2023 to reload a quarterback. But, you know, that's what it is. We're we're playing through different scenarios, and that was just one that kind of came up. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, joining us here on 3 and Out. Certainly, uh, Ian and Jacksonville, they've been a mess. Finally got Doug Peterson in as their uh, head coach. We have Evan Neal going number one overall. Still showing, obviously, tackle a, a high-profile position. Do you think that one's just going to sit pretty solid on a lot of people's mock drafts until the draft gets here? I think so. I think so. I think it's slowly been trending toward that point. You know, if you're Jacksonville, I think, you know, there, there's a couple different ways that you could go with that number one pick. But I do think, you know, the, the thing that should be cheap in your mind is protecting Trevor Lawrence after the rookie year he had, you know, showed promise but kind of in a fragile state right now where, you know, you're really trying to take the next step next year and he needs to put in the work. And, you know, I think he will. He's got the talent. He's got the mentality. But at the same time, you also need to adequately support him. I don't think he had enough weapons. And I think the protection, there's going to be some changes coming this year. you got to make sure you get the talent up front to protect him and make sure he's comfortable, make sure he's safe, make sure he can get through his reads and, you know, have the necessary comfort to withstand and, and undergrow growth. So I think, you know, looking at that perspective and that side of it, 
I think Evan Neal is kind of the, the front runner for sure. I mean, you look at the talent, Evan Neal is definitely worth it, right? I mean, 6'7", 360. The guy's a freak athlete. I mean, his box jump video from a few months ago, I mean, he's going to test out of this world at the Combine. And it shows up on tape, too. He's super violent off the snap. He's got insane power in his hand. And for his size at 6'7", 360, I mean, the guy's huge. But he moves really well. He can lower his pads, can bend his knees. Sometimes with taller guys, you worry that they bend at the waist a little more. They're a little more stiff laterally can't always recover when guys get under their frame and get around them. But I think Evan Neal does a great job of that. So I think the talent is through the roof. You're investing in a guy who can potentially be your, you know, a lockdown blindside blocker for, you know, up, upwards of 10 years, 10 to 15 years. I think if you're looking at that, especially for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you've already invested in him long-term. Now the onus is on you to make sure that he's protected and make sure you can get the most out of him. I think Evan Neal, that's a pick that's very conducive to that. You could go a couple of different options. You could maybe go Kayvon Thibodeau or, or Kyle Hamilton. I think the talent is there for both of them. But I think the need and I think what you really need to protect Trevor Lawrence, I think that's kind of that's there in the most you know prominent way with Evan Neal. We're actually going to chat in with uh, my Jay Sanders coming up in just a few minutes, the edge rusher out of Cincinnati. I know you have Jacksonville uh, taking him uh, at 65 overall in your latest mock draft. What type of player is he, uh, and how much did the uh, Senior Bowl potentially uh, boost his profile even more? Oh, absolutely, man. I think, you know, I had him go to the top of round three in this one. I, I think he could sneak in around two now after that Senior Bowl, man. He's a little he's a little lighter, but, you know, I don't think that hurts him a ton because his play style, man, explosive, bendy, and he can convert C to power with his length. We saw that multiple times at the Senior Bowl. He was winning in different ways. He was really beating guys off the line, not just his explosiveness, but his ability to anticipate the snap. Some, it's kind of an underrated thing. You don't really think about it a ton. But, you know, some guys are a little late to react to the snap. And it's a game of milliseconds, a game of inches. So if you can get ahead a little bit, now it does get him into trouble sometimes. Sometimes he guesses you know, incorrectly and then gets a you know, neutral zone infraction. But more often than not, I love Majay Sanders' ability to anticipate the snap and get off quickly, and then he's got the natural explosiveness to get an edge on guys, and then from there, too, you know, being able to reduce his surface area, he's flashed the ability to multitask and use his hands in conjunction with his bend and get around the edge. Uh, he had some really nice hand swipes at the senior bowl that he was timing them at the apex and bending inside and getting to the quarterback. You love to see that. And I think looking at Jacksonville, you know, they tend to use odd fronts sometimes. We'll see what they do. Well, now that they have Doug Peterson, whether there's going to be a change with the staff kind of changing and mixing around. But I do think with the personnel that you have in place with Josh Allen and, and Kalavon Chazon, you know, I think that having Myjay Sanders in there, he kind of fits the profile they've been going for over the past few years. And I think that, you know, especially with his ability to, to rush the passer, you know, get into the backfield quickly, really disruptive player. And we saw that at the Senior Bowl. I think it just kind of emphasized his stock. And with the Jacksonville Jaguars adding him into the rotation, you know, nowadays in the NFL, you can't just have one or two pass rushers. You've got to have a strong rotation because you never know what's going to happen. You always need to be impacting the quarterback because if you can't impact the opposing quarterback, if you can't make them uncomfortable, then they might dice you up. So I think getting Majay Sanders in there really strengthens that pass rushing unit. And I think in time he could become a, a productive starter. I was a big fan of what I saw at the Senior Bowl. Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, our guest here on 3 and Out. Ian, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And as BJ said, we will chat with Majay Sanders, former Camden County Wildcat and Cincinnati defensive end, when we return. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Here's 3 and Out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, thanks for making us a part of your day. Streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and all across 
the radio network. Uh, Senior Bowl last week. Uh, really, chance to look at guys getting ready for the draft. Our next guest was named to the All-Senior Bowl team, a first-round All-AC uh, conference member in 2020 and uh, 2021, and ranked as one of the top edge rushers in this upcoming NFL draft class out of Camden County High School and the University of Cincinnati. Myjay Sanders joins us here on 3 and Out. Myjay, welcome to the show. How are you? How you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, man, appreciate you coming on and joining us. Talk about the experience there in, in Mobile and just what that week was like. Uh, yeah, it was um, it was, I had fun. It was all a blessing at the end of the day. But I say the thing that was the best for me it was the experience, uh, getting to meet new new people and uh, getting to have new relationships with people that you would never thought you would meet. And um, I say just really just putting yourself in a, in a position to uh, put your best foot forward at all times. And, MyJ, talk about this this past season for you and uh, your teammates at Cincinnati. You guys, clearly one of the best teams in the country. You make history, make the college football playoff. What was this past season like uh, for you and the Bearcats? Uh, it all started It all started um, my junior year offseason. Well, it started way before that, but my junior year offseason when uh, all of us decided to come back and uh, make history. And... Um, I feel like that was the best thing for us was when we all came back and and made it and made it a, a, a known fact that we was gonna all be on one accord. And we were just all trying to make it better, make our better, athletes out the college better for for us and what we could do to help one another. Because uh I needed Desmond and Desmond needed me and we needed Coach Fick and we needed other players on the team also so we'll be able to to uh, strive and try to make it to the college playoffs. And when we made it to the college playoffs, it was just something that we definitely tried to do to not even prove to the world, but prove to ourselves that we can that we can play on any uh, any uh, running grounds. And Maja, you talked about the experience of being, uh, you know, at the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, meeting people you never thought you would meet. But when you out there every day in practice, going up against guys all over the country holding your own. It had to be a good feeling of you knowing the look, man. I know I could compete with the best in the country, but I'm out here proving it once again at the Senior Bowl. Oh, yeah, definitely. That was definitely uh, something, something that I, I, I went in because I'm a big – I'm a, actually, I'm a humble dude, so I really don't don't say what I can and can't do. But I always be the type of dude that I lead, I show my show what I got to do when it's time to show it. I don't really speak on what I, what I, what I know I can do. But it comes around when it comes to the senior bowl. I I always knew I can compete at the biggest level and the best level. I always knew that as a as a person growing up. But I never was the type of dude to express that. And I just came out and showed. But one of the biggest things that was on me coming out as a um, as a junior that I felt like I had to get better at when I was when I was a senior was playing the run better. And I felt like I showed everybody I can play the run very good and. That's what I feel like that's helped me going to get to the next level. Myjay Sanders joining us here on 3 and Out. And Myjay, the Senior Bowl, what did you? What was kind of your mindset going in and did what you expected it to be kind of end up turning out what it was like when you got there? Uh, my mindset was uh, going in was uh, what type of playbook, uh, what type of scheme I was going to get myself into and what we were going to be able to do. And when I came – and I found out I was on Team National, and they had the Jets, the Jets type of 
the Jets type of scheme, and it was a four three scheme, and like you could have wide nines and a wide six. I I started smiling from ear to ear because I, I rarely in college was at a, was in a, a position when I was a nine was I was in a wide nine or a six to give myself a chance to win on the edge at all times, and I that's why I feel like I had a pretty good senior a senior uh, senior bowl, and also when I when my mindset was going in, like I said again, like playing a run, because that was a big thing on me. And when I was playing a run out there, I feel like I, I, I lit up the camp when I was doing that and everybody was um, uh, paying attention. And the the uh, you just can't miss about the interviews. I feel like I, I did great in the interviews. I love the interviews, talking to the scouts and stuff, and. I feel like that was another big part of the senior bowl that everybody miss out and leave out. I know when you're a top draft prospect, a lot of pundits, a lot of analysts talk about you. They say this is your best skill set. This is what you're going to do at the next level. In your mind, uh, describe yourself as a prospect. What are your best attributes as you get ready to uh, debut at the next level? Uh, I always start off with saying the passion of football that I have. Um, the uh, that I never that and then also that I never stop I never stop my motor. I have an ongoing motor at all times and uh if if a play do happen if I do do something bad on a play that uh that I can uh I can erase it all with going hundred and ten miles per hour at all times and never stopping. That's why I really pride myself on since I was since I was playing in high school was uh having a motor that, that nobody else can compare to, that nobody else can compare on the field. Majid, you go from Camden County to Cincinnati to, you know, to the, uh, y'all, you guys played, uh, you know, uh, in the, uh, played Georgia a year before you played, uh, I'm sorry, you played you played those guys like essentially twice where you talk about what you guys were able to do, make it to the college football playoff, Mobile. When you leave Camden County, did you see yourself being in this position right here, right now? Uh, actually, when I was at Reigns and left Reigns to go to Camden, I, I felt like I was going to be in a good position because Coach Wiley, he put me on the, in the best stage as possible. And then when I went to Camden, uh, I had help, but it really – I knew, but I, I really didn't know, but I knew that I was going to make it, make it far because I know that, uh, I, a lot of people can't compare compare their motor to mine on the field. And that's why I feel like that's going to take me longer in the passion that I love about football. What's next for you in the pre-draft process? And, and how do you how do you kind of stay calm and take it day by day, given that, you know, the draft's on the horizon, uh, you're obviously going to get a great opportunity. How do you how do you take it day by day through all this? Uh, just staying true to yourself. Uh, staying true to myself. Uh, that I don't, I don't really get too high about when somebody say something about me and I don't really get too low when somebody say something about me. It's, I'm always the same person. Uh, and I feel like that that's what helped me get this far and get to the next level because I really don't. I don't look on the media to make myself feel good. And I don't, and I don't shy away from it also, but I don't, I'm the type dude that, like right now, I don't even, I don't even really, I rarely be on Twitter and be on Instagram and stuff like that. Only time I'd be there if I like had to post it, like a thank you to Jim Nagy for uh, giving me an opportunity to show my talent on that big stage in the senior bowl. And that's probably my last time I'll be on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. But other than that, 
that's how I, that's how I go day by day. And Maj, what do you what do you what do you say to the to the next group of uh, athletes that's coming behind you? That, that wants to be in the position that you're in, what would be your advice to them? Because a lot of times people see you guys on the big stage and, they, and you guys make it look easy, but what would you say to the next to the next crop of athletes that want to be in your position? Uh, keep your head down and keep working. And, uh, don't never settle for being. Don't never, like my dad always told me, don't ever settle for an A. I always try to get like an A plus or something better. Uh, like for me, for example, don't always try to settle for trying to say that you was in the first round. Try to like be a first round top ten pick. Like there's always something that you can get better at. Uh that's why I feel like that's different from when I was when I was a kid and when it's kids now. Cause some kids just they okay with being just a five star and stuff like that. You just gotta understand it's it's way bigger than just being being a five star. It get way harder. Even college, and when you get out of college, it get even harder. So, I feel like that would be what I have to say: is don't ever, don't ever stop it. No, don't, don't ever get settled. Majay Sanders joining us here on Three and Out. Majay, really appreciate the time. Best of luck as you continue here yes. in the pre-draft process. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Majay Sanders joining us here, former Camden County Wildcats, Cincinnati defensive end, our first team, first team all. At conference 2020 and 2021, and named to the All Senior Bowl team uh, this past weekend as well, and obviously getting ready uh, to probably hear his name called in that NFL draft fairly early oh, in the process. Oh, oh, <laughs> great player, uh, one of the top edge rushers in this class, and uh, said, "Look, I'm not worried about you know what the projections are. I'm just going out and working." But he's going to be picked very early in the draft. Uh, is is scheme versatile? Obviously had. An incredible career at Cincinnati, making the college football playoff and helping the Bearcats make history. But uh, really excited to see what's next for him. Very, very appreciative young man. You can hear, and I mean, talking about Jim Nagy giving him an opportunity to come to the Senior Bowl, talking about uh, the advice his dad gave him about just keeping your head down, not wanting to get an A B, you know, uh, wanting to get an A plus. And if you've ever seen, uh, you know, my J play, he does play with a motor, but he's long. He can turn the corner and. I think about what Cincinnati did, not just for their team, but what they did for those type teams, those teams to get looked over. Hey, you got to be, you know, you got to be SEC, ACC, so kind of, you know, different things. So I am happy for him. And, I mean, BJ, I mean, what, four years ago sitting there, he's, he signed his national letter of intent. I'm asking him, hey, man, my man, you got yourself a big coat to see what's happening for him and understanding that he's going to pay it forward to the next generation of players. But, Listen, he already can he already can rush the passer. Now that he can stop the run, he's a complete player. That boy gonna be nightmares because the one thing you cannot coach is a motor, and he definitely has that. We've got more to come here on a three and out on this Tuesday. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. Go till Valentine's Day, guys. We got a chance to make you the hero here on Valentine's Day. A two night stay at the Westin Jekyll Island, a package to the Milan Day Spa in Savannah as part of our Valentine's Day. All together, yeah, you get, yeah, you get all, all that, together, right? Yeah, all together. We're going to give that to one lucky winner for Valentine's Day uh, this year. So all you need to do is you got to get registered. We're going to get you into a group of finalists, and we uh, will pare it down uh, from there with some great uh, Valentine's Day stories. So give us a call right now, 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184. Get registered, and uh, you could be in the running to win. Two-night stay at the Westin on Jekyll Island. And a package there to the Milan Day Spa. Get pampered. Have a nice place to go relax. Man, it's a, it's, a, it's a win-win. It's something that 
both of you can enjoy. Okay. And isn't, and, and, and isn't that really what yes. the spirit of giving is all about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Kevin Thomas. Well, it is. It's the spirit of giving. What? I mean, massages? I mean, uh, hotel stays at the Western on Jekyll? I mean, that's a swag. That's, listen, that's a Valentine's swag. Awesome, man. awesome package. Yep. Yeah. So give us a call right now, 912-342-7184, 912-342-7184, and get, uh, get in on the uh, the Valentine's Day giveaway. going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to give that away coming up on Friday. Now on this Tuesday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad to have you along here. A lot to get to this hour. Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech quarterbacking legend, runner-up for the Heisman, uh, will join us uh, coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk to him about... Name, image, likeness around college athletics and what it would have been back in his day and where he sees that going for current student-athletes, given how it's exploded really in the last calendar year or so. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But first, let's take three here on three and out. All right, fellas, Tom Brady tells Jim Gray, quote, just going to take things as they come. Of course, when you got money like Tom, you take things like that. I think it's the best way to put it. I don't think anything. You know, I never say never at the same time. I know that I feel very good about my decision. I don't know how I'll feel in six months from now. Is Tom Brady coming back? I mean, I think that that quote kind of leaves the door open in, in, in some respects. I mean, I think if you were completely done uh, and you didn't think you were going to come back at all, you could just say, no, I'm good. You know, I had a pretty good career, and I, I, I feel like I'm done. But it says never say never. It says I don't know how I'm going to feel in six months, and – I know, Ben, you've talked about this before. The There really is no offseason in the National Football League. The offseason, the preseason, I'm sure that's in some ways very grueling, not quite like the regular season, but very difficult, especially when you've done it for so long. Do I think there's a situation potentially where he could come back, the right set of circumstances for the right amount of time, win a championship, given what that quote says? Yeah, I think it's possible. I don't think he's coming back. I think I think what happens is too, right? I mean, he's done the same thing for 22 years. He knows nothing. He spent look. He spent most of his adult life. No, he spent all of his adult life in the National Football League thus far. And let's face it, he's at he's at home with the wife and kids, and that could be a little daunting. He's not used to spending that much time with them. He used to, at a certain point he get up out the house. He got to go now. Tom, Giselle, go get the bags. Go get the kids. <laughs> you want to take them to school? And look, let's face it. He's going through a little bit of an identity crisis. He's Tom Brady, the greatest, the greatest of all time, and now he's Tom Brady. You know, in Whole Foods shopping for cilantro smoothies. He's tired of making them. <laughs> I mean, it happens, right, Kevin? The you like you've done the same thing for so long. Everybody wants to retire. We just don't know what retirement means. We think retirement kick your feet up. Nope. Now when you got kids, they got they got school. I mean, I mean, Kevin, we were talking about something in the break. Potentially getting dogs. You was like, nope. Now that we got children's <laughs> house, it's it. it Tom Brady, unfortunately, BJ and Kevin, he's experiencing being a regular dude now. He's still Tom Brady, but this is what guys do every day. So I would say he's just dealing with that right now. But Giselle said, look, I gave you 22 years, dude. Come on, man. I'm going to need you to start doing your part. I, I think, And let's face it, he kind of liked the attention he's getting. He liked the fact that everything he said, oh, you heard what Tom said. I don't think he's coming back. I, I think it'll be just fine. I mean – I think I would like to have the Tom Brady regular dude experience. I mean, oh, of course. You hey, would love I it. mean, I'm regular dude. I got my Somebody, people, some people talk about the size of his house. They'll talk about how big his house was. Yeah. I'm like, well, which house? In, in, what, in what state? No, I mean, I, I think Tom Brady's not coming back. I mean, uh, Tom Brady also understands how media works. You kind of float things out there and say, yeah, maybe I'll come back, maybe I don't. And uh, that gets put out there. And who knows? Maybe a team reaches out and says, is Tom really interested? 
Uh, and you never know. I, I think it's, you never say never when you say stuff. Uh, when you say quotes like that, it's like maybe under the hundred percent right circumstances would I do it, but it's probably not going to be. Well, sure, uh, I mean I'm not, not saying right. he's coming back to I, I play for the the Jags. I think on a different level, with the quote that kind of rings true, or the uh, the kind of statement that kind of rings true, is you harken back to Brett Favre when they asked Brett Favre about retiring. Brett Favre was like, "Do I still want to play? Oh yeah, I I, I still want to play. I can still play at a high level." What I don't want to do is I don't want to go to practice. I don't want to go to sp- I don't want to go to training camp. I don't want to go to mini camp. I don't want to have to be at the facility at eight a.m. to sit in the office watch a tape. Do I still like playing on Sundays? Hundred percent. Do I like all the other stuff that goes along with it? Nope. And I think that's why he said he ultimately retired because he's like, if it was just about showing up on Sunday and playing, he would be down for that. But he didn't want to go through all the other stuff. And I think for Tom Brady, that's part of it. As Ben kind of said with his face, like. All right, I don't want to get up six days a week, go to the facility, watch tape at a.m. I don't want to get up and go run shells in practice. I don't want to go do some of those things. Do I want to play on Sunday? Yeah. Can I carve you up on Sunday? Oh, yeah. Just look what I just did. Do I want to do all the other stuff that goes along with uh, playing on Sunday? Nope. And I think that's probably been where Tom Brady's at. Yeah, he is. And, he, and, and Kevin, everything you just said, he did it for 22 years. Many right, camps, yeah. 22 years. Training camps, 22 years. Offseason, 22 years. Watch the tape, 22 years. I got, when I was in New England for 20 years, he got to go up there and say, hey, hey Bill, man, when you want to do this extra uh, film work, you and me. And that stuff seems cool, right? Let me tell you what that stuff is, people. I'm going to say this loud and clear. Boring. I'm going to say it again. That stuff is boring because how much film can you watch? Obviously, Tom Brady can watch more film. How much preparation did you do? Obviously, he was the most prepared. And it worked. 22 years, 10 of them, he was in the Super Bowl. But this is the thing. What is he going to come back to do, BJ? He's done it all. Like, he's literally done it all. The and he's already put the goalpost so far out there that nobody's okay, going to catch him. But hadn't he it. done that before he went to Tampa, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but the difference is at least he was still playing. He didn't He didn't make it. He didn't say he was retiring. He went from the cold, frigid temperatures up there. And you to know, say he doesn't prove, I think there was the do it without Bill Belichick. Yeah, we, listen, listen, there, yeah. and which, which okay, he, well, which then he did. Why did he come back for this past year? Because he could. Yeah, because he wants to see if listen, he wants to see if he can go back to back. You know, I mean, and and I think sometimes too we talk. Not saying he will. I'm saying based on that quote, maybe there's an outside chance. But it's the thing too, right? We're gonna judge you if you come back, right? Like his legacy is is there. But don't don't Michael Jordan Washington Wizards this thing. Don't come back and then get the hell beat up at you. And then you got somebody got to take. No, Tom is cool. He got a bunch of commercials now. He's all over. The, he's all over TV. He's fine, man. He's fine. It's fine. All right, moving along. Take two. Some trades going down in the NBA. C.J. McCollum going to the Pelicans in New Orleans. How much better will he make the Pelicans currently the 10th seed in the West? Well, I mean, gives you a a backcourt score that, what, is averaging over 20, uh, uh, can 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 shoot it from beyond the arc, can attack the basket. Uh, I think with New Orleans, you, you still are limited with what you can do in the West without Zion. And, yep. and I, I, I don't know what the latest is with his injury situation, with the foot injury or whatever. But uh, without Zion, I think you're limited in terms of what you can do. Now, could they move up a spot or two? Yeah, I think McCollum's a really good player. I think he makes you better. You think about uh, McCollum and Ingram potentially. I mean, both those guys are capable of going for 30 on any given night. I think it makes you a little more dynamic, a little more balanced. But, uh, you know, can they get up to a you know a 6-7 a seed, something like that? I mean, I think you would need Zion to do that. But when everybody's healthy – and you talk about that roster. That's a that's a pretty impressive roster on paper. So I think this this helps solidify New Orleans as a playoff team. They're they're in that same spot that the Hawks are in 
in the East where you're in the 10 spot. Can you? No, you're saying not a play. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But I think there's a limit on on what you can do without Zion. It's, it's the thing about the thing about CJ, man. CJ is good, man. When he got when he got when he is the co-star, not the star. They trying to make CJ go to more of a starring role. That is hard to do. I mean, and listen, CJ, like you say, BJ, it's one thing to give you twenty five when I don't have to. When I'm not, it's not dependent upon my twenty five to get the team going, the offense going. You don't even hear about New Orleans. Like it's like with Zion not being in the lineup, they don't talk about him. They don't say anything about him. CJ, number one, I don't know what he did to get traded. It ain't his fault. But CJ is going from a team like, you know, like Portland. Now he, now he got to go to a team like, like New Orleans to where, like you said, BJ, him and Ingram, they could be a nice backcourt. They could be really, really nice. But we talking about we talking about scratching and clawing to even make it, you know, you know they're probably going to have to be a play-in team. You, CJ is going because he's a professional, not because he want to go. He wish he could just, you know, you know he wish he could just do a you know, go there. They just buy him out so he can go to another squad. He don't want to be in New Orleans, man. When the last time somebody said it out loud, I want to go to New Orleans. You talking about the Pelicans or you talking about the French Quarter? You want to get some beignets or you want to go play for the squad? So I, I would just say I feel bad for him. He going he gonna to go out there and do his thing. But he makes them better. But how much better? Six, seven, six, uh, playing game? Yeah. Middle of the pack in the playoffs? I don't know about that. But I do see, I do see him making the team better. All right. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think he's a good player. Is he a over-the-top player? I think, as Ben said, he's kind of more the – Robin to somebody's Batman out there, uh, and that's how he kind of excels uh, at the at the end of the day. All right, moving along. Take three. What matters most, in your opinion, in draft evaluation? Oh, for me, I think it's the pro days, and the reason why I say it is this: as a guy that went through everything, I went through the pre-draft process. I didn't go do anything at the combine. The reason why I didn't do anything at the combine because, well, I don't want to go out there. People say, "Well, man, if you run slow, you can run faster." At your pro, at your pro day, what the hell? No, that's that's as fast as I run. I don't have another gear, so I didn't want to get. So to me, I think it is the pro days. This is why I say that. I give you Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater was still the thirty second overall pick. He was the first round pick. He had one of the worst pro days ever. But at the same time, it showed how much how much goes into it. I give you Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is standing on the goal line, a flat footed. He throws it to the sixty. I mean, to the to the to the other to the other four. It's ridiculous, right? And I think that's what it really is because you're at home. You're you know they they're gonna take you through a script, and if you can't perform your best in 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 a comfortable environment, because I can't really go look. I mean, somebody asked me on Twitter they being where your mock draft at? Well, my draft 1.0. It's called the February Magazine. You should subscribe to it. I'm not get, <laughs> no. I think that. I can't really go off evaluation, BJ, because like we said, Aiden Hutchinson went from number one to some of them. Now they already number eight, right? I can't really I, – I love – I like Tom Shea. I like Mel, but I can't trust them either. They got to get clicks too. Now they got to say some, you know, sensationalized type type stuff to get somebody to click. So for me, it is the pro day because you're at home. They're going to be able to take you through everything. You, this this is about as good as it's going to be. This is about as comfortable you're going to be because I because the height and the weight and the measurables and the intangibles and the smidgen below six five and all this stuff go out there and perform at home. I think that's probably going to be uh, what I uh, what I would take to the bank. Yeah, I I still think it's consistent college production, right? Like 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 when you look at when you look at guys. Uh, at the top of the draft, a lot of the reason they're there is because we've seen them not only do it for a stretch, but we've seen them do it for multiple years. I mean, you look at Evan Neal, you look at Derek Stingley. I mean, you look at these guys, and you know that they're going to be superstar players because of the past production 
in college. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, you knew when he was coming out of high school, this guy's going to be he was, a top he, five he, he, pick. Was, he was the mayor and, of Florida State. I, yeah. I'm about to tell, I'm, I, I fanboyed it. I'm going to go ahead and say it, BJ. We at Florida State, and I'm like, who is this? That's Kayvon Thibodeau. And I go this, what? I said, I can't spell his last name. I know it began with a T, though, right? That's T-H, right? All right, go over to him, take a picture. Had his hair all blown out then. But I think what happens is, though, BJ and Kevin, the, the real answer is we don't know. Because the thing about it is, is this you is what say, I'm asking. Let's say you have a great pro day, okay? Yeah. Let's say you're a prospect and you have a great pro day, but your tape doesn't match that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you run a, you know, whatever at, at your position is considered super fast. Yeah. Let's say you do great in all the drills. But maybe you go back to your tape and you say, okay, well, and I know there are reasons. Look, things happen in football scheme, you know, whatever. But I think if whatever you put forth isn't matched on tape in terms of did you play well in the big games, mm-hmm. were you a producer for your team, were you consistent for your team, it all goes back to what you did. And there are so many metrics now. I mean, not only the traditional stats. I'm not just talking about, like, rushing yards and receiving yards and sacks. But there are stats, I mean, that I don't even understand. I'm looking at stats. I don't. But I think there are so many statistical metrics now that you that that you need to have that production in college to kind of get the ball rolling because these mock drafts start during the season, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see the mock drafts well before we get into any of the any of the pro days or anything like that. So I think what you do on tape is kind of the starting point and then ultimately constantly gets gets talked about once again once you get closer to the draft. Yeah, but the thing about it is too, I mean, as a once again, as a person that went through it, we're not we're talking about very, very small things that separate one guy from the next. It's not it's not this wide margin that people try to make it seem as if. It's really, really not. It's it's we let's face it, we pick certain players, and these are the ones that's gonna be the headliners. What school you go to, that matters. The exposure you've got, that matters. Um, because football is about a moment. I mean, some guys they've had a, a great career, certain guys they just didn't taper off. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, he didn't taper off. He was the number one recruit in the country, and he had a good enough career. I ain't never heard of Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson until this year. I've never heard of him. And that's, and that's because, obviously, I don't follow Big Ten football like I do. Other, but guess what? Uh, I don't follow Pac-12 football either. I knew who Kayvon Thibodeau was. So that's the dangerous part. Certain guys, they walk in, they look like Tarzan. Oh, he could look the part. But that Johnny Come Lately stuff, that stuff is scary. Because when people say, well, don't watch this film, well, why not? Like, I got evaluated on my worst film, and I had to sit there and talk about what's going on this play, what's going on that play, because if I can't answer the hard questions, if like, oh, man, that was just one of them games. What? Well, that's Kentucky. Well, you got to talk about it. So I, I think that it has to be a pro day. It's like this. Are you a better basketball player, BJ, at the Y or at your house? <laughs> I'm just saying, right? So in my mind, if I am if I come to your crib and I'm dominating you at your house, and I'm talking about just jump shot, that's a problem. Because, hey, dude, you hit shots at home, you, you ain't looking good. You ain't even looking at it. So that's why I go with the pro day. Those are the guys you play with. Those are the guys you're thrown to. They'll go, you know, this field and all these different things. The combine is like something extra. You go out there and ball at the combine, you, you something serious. Because... I you are faster, but man, it's something about everybody watching you and you're on TV, and then you know they go rich eyes, and he gonna do his run, rich run. I, it, it was just it was, and I didn't I didn't want to have something bad to evaluate, and I got and it's one thing to, to do well, and I'm done to I, I, I perform bad, and now I got to run fast. 
Well, it would be you ran a you ran a four nine, you know, at the combine. What you think for the run now? Hopefully a four eight. You know, at home. No, no. Pro days, if you were senior, these senior bowls, guys like my J guy, but that's still a very, very select group. And and understand this, there's nothing you can do about the hype train. If you got a guy that got the hype train behind him, don't take it personal. I'm just saying there's there's nothing you can do about it, but go to your pro day, go out there and show out. If I'm evaluating for the draft, I'm looking at the game tape. 100%, or maybe not 100%, 95%. Mm-hmm. The stuff you do at the combine, don't care. But I mean, but you're really, really you going to hurt yourself too, I mean, though, Kevin, though. With, with I, that. I understand you can, but Ben, did you run at the combine? I did not. Why not? Because, well, this is what happened. I mean, I, once again, I had my agent, Joe Siegel. I mean, I, I, no, Joe Siegel, my agent. I only had one. I know guys <laughs> was in the league, you know, same amount as me. They had 10 agents. I had one day he told me, he said, listen, don't. He said, he said, uh, he said, because you don't have to. Well, let me ask you this. Like no. with Trevor Lawrence, like with Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. after his career at Clemson, you know, last number one pick, yeah. did, did you need to see him excel at a pro day? No. But, 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 no. But this is the thing, too, right? This is the thing about, about a guy like Trevor Lawrence. When has he not been elite? Like certain guys, they got elite once they got into a certain system. Jalen Hurts, for example. Jalen Hurts, when he was at, ten, at, uh, at Alabama, he was winning games. But it's Alabama and that machine. Man, he go up there to Oklahoma, he throwing that thing. Right? So certain guy, I, I, I get that part too. But this is another thing you don't want. You don't want to have an eh, okay college career and you go out there and kill it in them drills. Because I know guys, they they great they great at doing drills. Well, I mean, Darius you know, Hayward Bay was one of those guys at the combine. Yes. But I mean, my whole point about that is, and this is why I'm, I know we got to go, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tape, 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 tape guy, is game speed. That's full speed. I'm in the NFL. I can look at you playing Southwest Louisiana State, and I can look at you playing Florida State. I can look at you playing, you know, a Citadel. I can look at you playing Ohio State and see how those performances compare and contrast against one another. Also, you are not running 40 yards in a straight line with no pads on. You are also not standing still and jumping straight up in the air, again, with no pads or helmet on. Uh, And I also think you get guys that aren't good test takers. You get guys that aren't good practice players. You hear that all the time. Oh, this guy sucks at practice. But, man, you get out there in the game, and it's a, it's like a whole different guy. And there are guys that I'm saying, okay, so what is the combine? Did I, that's like practice. How, how much can you rep? All right, are you getting physically beaten on the field day in and day out? No, you're doing – okay, I feel pretty good about your physical fitness level. If I have concerns that you might be lazy, I can figure that out talking to coaches, talking to you, and, uh, and things like that. But I'm looking at the tape as far as I'm evaluating a player. How did you shine or not shine when the lights were on? When it was full speed, there's no excuse for not going full speed. There's no reason to, well, I'm taking a, you know, a rep off. There's no excuse for any of that. You had helmets on. You were tired. Everybody was tired. And you still had to get out there and run. Are you accelerating away from people in the fourth quarter when you're all tired? It's, uh, it's crazy. All right. We'll, that's take three. We're way over. We'll come back we got to get to Joe Hamilton. He'll join us next. Three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. Our next guest, legend. Uh, They're at Georgia Tech playing the quarterback position, runner-up for the Heisman Trophy. Joe Hamilton joins us here on Three and Out. Uh, Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing outstanding, guys. Glad to have glad to be on with you. Hey. How's everything? Hey, man, we are doing fantastic. And uh, again, we wanted to touch base with you just to get your thoughts because it's been uh, something that's been in you know the college football realm for uh, over a year. It's really just exploded. But that whole name, image, likeness. Obviously, you were a guy that was in the national spotlight, Heisman Trophy campaign, 
Uh, and certainly we've seen what uh, that can do for guys this last year who were just preseason in the Heisman Trophy uh, campaign. But to start off, where do you think this thing is headed? And is it is it just kind of the wild, wild west out there for, for NIL right now? Yeah, um, it is the wild, wild west. And I, I, I anticipated uh, anticipating it uh, – the NCAA is going to have to do something. Somebody, the Board of Regents, somebody is going to have to step in and kind of put this to a halt because initially I thought this was going to be able to even the playing field out a little bit that some other schools were, were going to be able to kind of you know, you know, close the gap a little bit because you're able to offer a little bit more. But it, what it looks like to me now is that the you know, rich are going to get richer. Uh, the, 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 the schools or the programs, the universities, the institutes, uh, those pro- those programs that can offer three different things, I'm talking education, NIL, and the ability to, to, to go to the pros, those are the teams that are going to bode well. Those are the teams that are going to rise to the, crowd, uh, to the top. And what I'm a little disappointed talking to high school student athletes and their coaches now, the education part of it. Uh, when you decide to go somewhere for your education, when I was growing up, you know, whether you, you know, was just playing a role or whether you were serious or not, you had education at the forefront of where you want to spend four years because you know it was a 40-year degree and a 40-year commitment as far as what could be done outside of the game of football. But now I'm talking NILs first. And then after NIL, is just the ability to get to the National Football League. And then after that, it is, you know, you know, education might be fourth or fifth as far as talking where you're going to be playing at in the boosters. So um, I love it that the players are going to get, get paid because the coaches are moving and they're getting paid and getting their salaries going through the roof. I love that idea that the uh, players are going to be able to do that as well. But, man, you're going to have to put a, not a cap on it, but you're going to have to regulate this somehow. Uh, Joe, we were uh, reading a story earlier today, Ben and I, uh, talking about players in the past who really could have benefited from name, image, likeness just because they were superstars and, as Kevin said, were were national names. Uh, uh, you were talked about a number of different times. What do you think your value would have been uh, as you were one of the top players in the country when you were at Georgia Tech? Uh, it would have been up there, uh, especially, I think, uh, where I played downtown Atlanta. Uh, in the city of Atlanta with all the Fortune 500 companies, all the opportunities you know, with the music business, the opportunities when you're talking about TNT and CNN, uh, communication business, all those type of things would have been on the forefront with, uh, with when I was coming up, and I would have taken full advantage of it. But what I would like to do also, being a quarterback, you have to be really, really careful of what you're going to do in that locker room. Uh, not necessarily say you're going to spread the wealth, but you're going to have to understand that guys are going to be looking at you some uh, some kind of way uh, it doesn't take much for an offensive lineman to olay a block or be upset and maybe lean one way or the other to cause you to not have success. So as a quarterback, as I think on the NIL when I was playing, if we had that institute or in place, I would be very strategic of how I'm out there and, and, and notarize and get notoriety and not include my teammates. So, And then I also would advise these kids and advise myself looking back that go ahead and get an NIL deal or go ahead and try to make money while you're in college or something that you might want to do after football. You know, maybe intern some things that you're going to get some uh, money for it. Maybe go to a dealership there, maybe a real estate agency, uh, something like that to where you think you can benefit you if you're going to get some money, you're going to be around people and you can, uh, uh, you know, uh, network, make sure there's some value down the road that you can use it. And Joe, even even uh, even adding to that, I mean, you talk about the fact that yeah, you you are the headliner. So you you 
The quarterback's supposed to get the most, no matter what. You're going to get the most exposure. You're going to get the most notoriety. But think about it. You just mentioned you in you in downtown Atlanta. You can only do so much with your schedule. So with with, with you getting yours, you could have potentially deployed some of the influence. And say, look, man, I got some old linemen. I got some other guys that you guys can potentially do NILs with because, like you said. You can only do so much, and you want to be able to show your teammates, look, man, I care about what you guys do for me on the field. I'm going to try to do my best to take care of you guys off the field. Uh, you're absolutely right there, Ben, because I remember when I was in college, even walking on campus and even going to events, and I would stand out, and you know, people would ask me for my autograph, and I would be with uh, some of my teammates, uh, specifically my offensive linemen, and I would say, hey, no, 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 no. If you want my autograph, make sure you show some love to these guys, these wide receivers, these offensive linemen. Make sure they get, you know, they get a piece of their pie and, you know, gratification that they're a part of a team. There wouldn't be no Joe Hamilton doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for my teammates. And I anticipate and I would hope to say I would do the same thing when you talk about NIL deals that, you know, I might take a little less or I might decline somebody to, 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 to endorse them if they didn't want to include my teammate. If they didn't want to have somebody else get a piece of the pie, I think it's always, you know, you know, you know big team, little me. So I, that's going to always be my deal, and I encourage these student athletes, and especially quarterbacks like the quarterbacks, like I said, to encourage your teammates, make sure your teammates are included. And we all know money money allows you to play harder. It's a great motivation. So you can, your sky's the limit, and your team going forward is the limit if you think they can get paid for doing what they're doing on the football field. Joe Hamilton joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Joe, you look at – uh, the NIL, NIL deals here in the early stages. Uh, how do you think uh, this thing has evolved relatively quickly? Before the, the before the season, we had, you know, hey, we're going to give guys a national – some guys are at the top are going to get a national deal. Uh, DJ Uyunga-Le got one at, at Clemson, some of the other guys who were Heisman frontrunners. Now it's kind of like we've seen guys at schools, and they're all over the country now saying, if you come here, this is what you're going to get. And not necessarily a, a – I don't even know if it's got marketing tied to it, but uh, Miami. Hey, these seven, eight Miami guys, this is what they're going to get to uh, to be affiliated with our business. And you have people coming out saying, the whole point of this is to get them to stay at Miami, not necessarily to benefit our our, our business. Is, is there a return on investment we're seeing with these? I mean, even in major marketing deals, there's got to be some kind of uh, ROI. Or is the ROI simply don't care about the business? What can you do on the football field or the basketball court or what have you? Yeah, uh, it's a touchy situation because I think, like, we've known, you know, Ben and I played, uh, you know, back in our day, and we all know or we all heard that they were bag guys, B-A-G, and people were getting paid, schools were doing different things, uh, but it was illegal. And now with this NIL, you know, I mean, recruiters, recruits, should, and head coaches and schools shouldn't be able to tell a recruit what they can do for them. They can actually say, look at this player or look at Bryce Young or look at, you know, uh, Caleb Williams and see what they're doing, and maybe you could be that person. But you can't promise anything as far as NIL money going into a, a guy's living room and telling them that in high school. And when you look at Texas A&M, they're already guaranteeing their offensive lineman $50,000. Uh, there's no coincidence there that they've got the number one you know, class, recruiting class in the nation. And no, they're not cheating. They're not cheating, but right now they're doing it. They're maximizing the holes in the NIL right now with all of that oil money and all that money they can put into the resources and build that school up that, like that and spend money on student athletes. 
that's an advantage. So I didn't think it was intended to go this way. I think it was intended to when you get on campus and you show and tell and you're able to lead your team and you, you are marketable and you're doing some of those things, then you get rewarded. But what I'm seeing now, when you talk about a guy, Ewers, who went to Ohio State, I mean, he was a third, fourth straight quarterback and got one of the biggest deals. He didn't. He wasn't on campus more than three months. Now he's going to Texas and the same thing. You know, now I don't want those student athletes. So what's going to happen is some student athletes now they're going to ruin it, ruin it for other student student athletes because some of these corporations are going to say, "Hey, I'm not getting my bang on my buck." You look at the top three guys last year: DJ Uli Underlay, like you said, uh, uh, Spencer Rattler was top notch. Even the guy Sam Howell out of North Carolina, those guys were the top top notch guys that got deals, but their performance didn't live up to it. So I'm starting to wonder. Where down the road, or where down the line, does corporations and some of these guys, or some of these big deal guys, are going to say, "Hold, hold, make sure you show and tell, and make those guys sign something to say if your play kind of drops off, or you're not getting the return on our, you know, our investment, we need to go another way." Joe, what's next here? Because this has all happened so so quickly. Uh, do you think they're going to try to streamline this in some regard? Does it take a couple of years for a for a market to establish itself? What do you think happens next? I think it uh, it goes on until uh, um, some big school steps up and says this is not fair. I think this goes on as far as, you know, uh, unless somebody like, of course, Kirby Smart or Dabo Sweeney, Coach Nick Saban says something negative about it, uh, it's going to take a little bit more than just a non-power five or, you know, even Lane Kiffin complaining about it. It's going to take a little bit more than that. Um, but I don't want it to necessarily change that much, and this is the reason why. Uh, when you see coaches moving like Brian Kelly in the middle of the night, not telling his recruiters that I mean he's gonna you know he's got an assistant coach in a in a family's house and he doesn't know you're leaving. When you get some Lincoln Riley leaving from Oklahoma, a really good job going to USC. When you see some of these things going on and they can do it without repercussion, they can leave these student athletes that they you know kind of promise that they'll be here for four years. And then the pay grade, you, you got Michigan State, Mel Tucker, and shout out to Mel Tucker. He's maximizing his dollars and cents at $80 million for eight, $80 million for eight years. There's no halt to that. So uh, I know it needs to be a little bit of a cap or a little bit of you know a regulation going on with the student athletes and the NIL. But I don't want it to happen too quick because right now the coaches are eating a lot of the pie and nobody's complaining. But the minute a player starts to do those type things, there's a lot of uproar. So I'm pro, pro, pro player. But I don't want it to be so much to where you're affecting the balance of competitiveness. And Joe, I mean, one thing that always stands out to me is, I mean, you got to have you got to have former players to be in a position to be back on campus in some capacity to kind of to kind of help these young boys because you know they don't understand that when money starts changing hands. Now you talk about taxes. Now you talking about you're potentially an, an employee. How much do you think us being former players? And it don't got to be us in general. Maybe it could be guys that's you know uh, been to these schools. You know. Uh, a lot of, you know, have been away from the game as long as us, but how much do you think former players, because we can tell them the truth, and obviously we can say things to them because we've done it that maybe the NIL people can't say or are afraid to say. Yeah, I think you need to hire some hired guns, some professional financial advisors to be on campus 24-7, to have their, you know, their, their number on speed dial for some of these athletes. Uh, make it a requirement. And here's what I really think needs to happen with this bit. Make it a requirement that if you're ever thinking about having an NIL deal, if you're ever thinking about you know signing an endorsement or doing some of those things, run it by that financial advisor. Run it by you know compliance. Run it by some people that you think has your best interest in mind. And along with that, 
hire some former players, hire some players that you know could win winning the National Football League and all of a sudden blew forty thousand dollars or blew their first bonus check. You don't know where it's at right now. It's almost like flushing money down the toilet because of material things. Make sure you're telling them that what old the great Herm Edwards used to say: one house, one chain, one wife. You know, so continue to, and nothing good happens after midnight. So all those little things, intricacies can help those guys out because one thing coming from, you know, somebody that they don't know or trust, like a financial advisor or compliance team, but when it's coming from a former athlete, and especially if that former athlete played at that particular school, I think it's going to resonate a little bit more, especially if that former athlete is not trying to reinvent the wheel. He's telling them things textbooks-wise, telling them from experience, and also going by, you know, going by you know, exactly what's happening and what the financial advisor is saying as well. Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech legend, our guest here on 3 and Out. Joe, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Man, you guys be great, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Joe Hamilton joining us here on 3 and Out. Coming right back all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here 3 and Out on this Tuesday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Good chatting with Joe Hamilton, Georgia Tech legend. Uh, talking about name, image, and likeness that we've seen around college. Uh, I know we've mostly focused on football, but obviously it's hitting with swimming, softball, basketball, and uh, I think you've seen a number of athletes in other arenas, really, and I think that's the, probably the under-reported uh, stories, uh, BJ and Ben, of when I think of name, image, likeness, we see what's done, I think, on the football side, but you think about uh, the two uh, sisters, what is it, at Stanford, that play basketball, mm-hmm. that uh, have, have made a bunch of money in NIL, very popular, have online followings, made a bunch of money. Uh, the young lady who's a gymnast at Auburn, Made a bunch of money. And again, I think when you see those, you think, oh, that makes sense. They play in a sport where there's a market for that. There's a there's a market for gymnasts and things of that where they can really capitalize that because how many of them are there? How many top-level gymnasts are there that can capitalize? And, and they are certainly doing that. And I have no problem with that. I think the football side of it, and BJ and I have gone back and forth uh, you know, off here about this a bunch, is where it gets to, hey, if you come here, you will get this. Well, that used to be the scholarship. Now it's in the form of a, and I'll put NIL in quotation marks because I think when you make blanket statements like, if you're an offensive lineman, you will get this. I don't know if that's necessarily NIL as it is a way to skirt the rules of you're an employee at that point. I mean, and, and again, maybe we're talking semantics, but I think uh, the NIL stuff is continuing to evolve. And again, if if the NCAA doesn't at least say something like that, let me hey, ask you what I, I, asked I, Joe. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, that's what. What happens? We were talking about this yesterday. I don't know to that point. I don't know that the NCAA can. I mean, well, the what way is it's the, being operated right now, I, 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 there's not much they can do, I don't think, because you're having organizations loosely, as, again, and I keep putting this up, and Ben probably wants to slap me every time I say this, but you have organizations who are affiliated with the school but not a part of the school facilitating all that. So what they're doing is not illegal in any ways. But let's just be real. If you go to a University of Florida, if you go to University of Georgia, if you go to University of Alabama, I mean, if we're being real, you got more alumni, you got more rich alumni than say Rice. That's I mean, that's just, that, I'm not pointing. But you probably have more than say Kentucky. You probably have more than a Duke, uh, who is a, a private school. So I, I think you look at uh, at those. That's where we talk here. Joe Hamill talking about hey, the rich are going to get richer and. I mean, other schools will do as much as they can to maximize it, but when you have a third of the alumni base, you certainly aren't going to be able to keep up with the likes of the UGAs, the Alabamas, and things like that. Yeah, look, it's, it's well, I do agree with Joe. When you start talking about things like this, certain people just do things better, right? 
We all, we all, isn't it ironic that after, uh, you know, Barry Bonds has been, you know, he can't go to the Hall of Fame now, uh, you know, voted in by the beat writers. Now they're no longer testing for steroids. Now we're not going to test for it anymore. We think we got past that. When you talk about a situation like NIL, it happened so fast. But let's, let's really say what NIL was. Because kind of like the world was kind of like shut down and everything was like polarized. Everybody kind of took this, everybody kind of said, what is this NIL thing? Well, Jimbo Fisher said, look, I am not mad at the fact that I'm the head coach of Texas A&M and we got a lot of billionaire oil money, you know, alumni, right? And, and think about this. When people start talking about, hey, man, somebody said, well, Ben, uh, what I fear is these schools are going to start losing money. These schools ain't going to lose a dime. Like, think about that. They're not going to lose money when it comes to facilities and all this other type of stuff. No. We're talking about, we're talking about being able to have something in place to where I keep going back to my time when I was at Florida. I was good at certain things. I was good at being a football player. I was good at being a teammate. When you talk about the financial aspect of things, when money is involved, you want to deal with people who got so much money. When I got to the Tennessee Titans, I was with this group called the Covenant Partners. They were my financial people. And this is how they got me to sign with them. They go, Ben, you don't make enough money for us to steal from you. You don't even make enough. We got a billionaire client that we can steal from him, and he wouldn't even know, but we won't. <laughs> like, but, they, but they being honest about it, right? I think sometimes when it comes to the money side of things, all we know how is to get money, spend money, get it, in, you know, get it in, and get rid of it. We don't really understand what money is. We don't understand, like, look, what you need to be taken back home is financial literacy, meaning a car depreciates. Real estate doesn't. And I think it's a it's a it's something bigger going on because you go, how do I get access to all these like Kevin, as you mentioned, all these alumni. I got access to these people now. But we but but I'm in college, I don't know. So if I go, hey, I'm gonna have to get a job one day. Hopefully I be Tom Brady. Somebody say Tom Brady played for 22 years. You know, uh, uh Jason White retired in the training camp. You're gonna be somewhere in the middle, right? Probably closer to Jason than freaking Brett Favre and uh Tom Brady. But I think that's what is not being talked about, the fact that, hey man. You you think the NFL gonna set you up for life? No, you could be set up for life now, with a booster or whomever it is. I just think that sometimes, like you mentioned, Kevin, and we said this when we talk about NIL, we're not talking about everybody. They have the potential to get one. Do everybody on the college campus got an NIL? No. Does everybody on the football team got one? No. So we, I said, so look, we say, hey man, they got the greatest recruiting class. If I'm at Texas A&M, I'm like, what in the hell? You just gave them all this, and you don't even know how they're going to pan out, and I have literally won games. I beat Alabama. So I'm telling y'all, it is going to be that riff, but I think NIL has to think more of how do we help everybody first and then potentially try to start breaking out some of these deals. Yeah, we've got a lot more to get to here on 3 and Out, including letting you know how you can get involved in our Valentine's Day giveaway. We'll get to that next here on 3 and Out. On the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you along here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad to have you with us here on this Tuesday. Again, Valentine's Day coming up next week. We want to hook somebody up with a tremendous, tremendous prize. Two nights stay the Western Jekyll Island and a package here at the Milan Day Spa in Savannah. All you need to do to start off is give us a shout. Give us a call, 912 342 7184. 912 Three four two seven one eight four. Call now. Get your name in, and we are going to uh, put you in to be amongst those eligible to win that great prize. Just in time for Valentine's Day, we're trying to make it just easy. Just to confirm, for you. you just have to call and say, "I want to yep. be." Yep. Uh, just call and say, "Hey, I want to want to get in." And uh, again, it's that simple. And we're going to hook somebody up here 
for Valentine's Day with a great prize. Valentine's Day, this is the Valentine's Day swag pack. I mean, look, you talking about you talking about at the Jekyll, uh, the Western at the Jekyll Island. I mean, uh, and uh, what I mean, and then you get to go, uh, you know, uh, Kevin, uh, you get to go get your nice little massage. Look, you can't beat this. This is a, this is a Kevin Thomas swag pack. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen too often. Absolutely. Hey, we got so much to get to coming up in the final hour of the program. Again, call now, 912-342-7184. Get involved in our Valentine's Day giveaway. We're coming right back here on 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We are streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Here 3 and Out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad to have you along here. Final hour of the program. Glad you're making us a part of your day. We've talked a lot about Name, image, likeness, certainly the draft and the combine upcoming. As uh, Again, you got the Super Bowl this weekend, but everybody else looking ahead towards uh, the draft. How do you evaluate some of these guys climbing and falling? Again, Ben, you had Aiden Hutchinson, nowhere to be seen for a lot of the year, has a big game against Ohio State. All of a sudden, he could be the number one pick. Now he's back at number eight. I'm sure in the coming weeks, he'll move all over the place. What changes in your estimation over the next two months that guys will be jumping up and around all over the place and in, in some of these evaluations. Kevin, we're going we gonna to see a lot more of them. And I think what happens is, obviously, we're very, very biased because of our region of the country when you talk about SEC and ACC. But I think sometimes when you think about some of these guys is, we're going to start, we're going to go, maybe we'll go and start looking at some of these guys' tape a little bit and be able to go and evaluate. But, Kevin, let's just call it what it really is. Because the draft is the biggest gamble there is in sports. We don't know. We're, we're hoping that the team you root for picks the guy that pans out and we're hoping that the teams you don't root for pick a guy that doesn't pan out. You just, you just don't know because at the end of the day, they're supposed to be number one, they're supposed to be number two, and all these different things. Look, if everybody panned out in the draft, you wouldn't need other drafts. You need guys to not pan out. Quarterbacks, they're going to reach. Because right now, Kevin, oh, it might be Malik Willis. He might be the only one going first round. Next thing you know, there goes Sam Howell, right? Next thing you know, I mean, you talk about other you know, you talk about other guys that can sneak in there. That go, that go Kenny Pickett. Because yeah. – I think you got to look at you got to look the the current NFL has a lot to do with the current draft. So when you look at the Joe Burrow effect, hey man, that's what a quarterback can do for us. You look at you look at a, a big corner like Jalen Ramsey. So you're gonna get a Derek Singer Jr. You're gonna get it. You're gonna get a, a, a sauce walk, a sauce Gardner and those guys. So I would say Kevin, the reason why they rise and fall because we need intrigue. We don't want to keep saying the same storylines every single week. Whatever your favorite. I will say this. The draft is the greatest soap opera there is in sports because guys did nothing to drop. I give you Cam Newton. When Cam Newton came out, dude, I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's that. Well, he won every game in the SEC. He won the Heisman. And he had, he gave you 1,500 yards rushing and, what, 3,000 yards passing over 50 touchdowns. Yeah, but I don't know. He's 6'5", 250. I don't know. He can run a 4'5". Oh no! He started in Florida, went to JUCO, came back to Auburn. Was down, was down, was down. What? Uh, what? Uh, twenty four? What? Twenty four to three? Uh, at, you know, uh, against Alabama, came back and beat them. So I, I would just say it's drama. We need drama, Kevin. You know we're going to have drama right now. Only one quarterback is supposed to go first round. By the time this thing is over, it's going to be five six. Right. And ain't nobody going. And I will say this though. There aren't the quarterback is easy because they're the headliners, right? Malik Willis seemed to be the headliner. Kenny Pickett, I don't know what else he can do uh, for what he just did for Pitt. You talk about Sam Howell, what he's done his last three years for UNC. I don't believe I don't believe a word of it. I believe what is all said and done. The only t- the only position that's not going to go first round is probably running back because I ain't heard from none of them. So they already fallen and they ain't did nothing to do it. But yes, Kevin, it's the draft. It's drama. 
It's sensationalized media. It's what we do. And again, I think uh, it's, it's certainly for teams, they have a big board that nobody uh, else really takes a look at. Uh, obviously, it's just all the mock drive. Well, here's what I think is going to happen. And, and again, those are completely – if there are 32 – uh, you know, 32 teams are 32 different big boards and how they view players and evaluate. They're like, why did you like – well, when they had a chance to see him, they, they liked this guy. But, Ben, did you ever get an opportunity to – I know they keep those things pretty locked down. Did you ever have an opportunity to be around a draft room or have an idea of what your team was doing big board-wise? Uh, I, was, I wasn't around them when they was doing it, but after my first year, uh, Marcus Robinson, who was the uh, – he played for the Titans. He was, he was a player personnel guy. He kind of told me what goes into it, and he said, it's crazy. Because you got to think, Kevin, a lot goes into this. We 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 have a company. We have a, we we have an organization known as, you know, uh Team X in the NFL. We're saying, all right, if we go with quarterback, that could potentially be the face of the franchise. So is everybody in agreement? You're gonna get some yeses, you're gonna get some no's. All right, if we're gonna get a left tackle, is he gonna be there for the next 10 years? Gonna get some yeses, gonna get some no's. Now, cause these are the three safest positions. Quarterback, left tackle. Defensive end. Now, when you start saying, cornerback, does he fit into the defense? Tight end. What in the world? Because I asked him, I said, man, when your guys got me, he said, well, do we have a first-round grade on you? Like, you didn't. But he said this. This is what people don't know. He said, dude, you had zero red flags away from the field. He said, you know how many guys, they fit on the field. But, dude, they got a track record in, in college. This is with no money. This is with a lot of supervision. This is with, like, you kind of know the landscape. What's going to happen when we give you some money? What's going to happen when, you know, you're free to move around this city? So I think a lot goes into it, but I think the main thing is, Kevin, you nervous. Like, the re- we always say, why does it take the team 15 minutes? Come on, man, go ahead and do it. Because once we put, once we, you know, once you give it to Roger Goodell, that's it. That's, that's who you, that's who you banking on. So, yes, Kevin, it's going to get even crazier. Aiden Hutchinson, welcome to the, welcome to the 2022 draft. He's probably more than likely not going to be the number one overall pick because he's a Johnny come lately. Yeah, again, it changes so much week to week, uh, virtually seeming on nothing, right? other than, well, I heard this. Well, I mean, well, does it have anything to do? I mean, again, by the time we get to the draft, none of these guys will have played a game of football in months uh, at the end of this whole thing. BJ, it's, it's kind of odd when you, when you talk about how did the evaluation change. Like, I could see changing your evaluation on guys after you've seen them for a week at the Senior Bowl. Maybe I make a minor change based on how I – interview a guy or how a guy does slightly at the combine, but how much is my big board actually going to change if I'm inside that team? Yeah, it, it, it feels like there's more volatility than there should be, and uh, of course, not in these rooms. I mean, a variety of factors, but I think, I, I think it Ben, you used the phrase earlier in the show that it makes you a little bit nervous when all of a sudden there's a guy that, that was not you know a part of the projections or a part of the conversations for the top 10 or the top 15, and then all of a sudden you know, boom, suddenly he's there, and, and maybe there's a little hesitation with that. I get some of that. Uh, along the same lines, I always think it's kind of hard to understand why you have a player that is a locked top 10 pick or a locked top 15 pick, and then all of a sudden you start to see mock drafts or conversations. Yeah, it might be a second-round pick. And look, to, to reiterate a point you've made a number of times, you get drafted, you get drafted. You go in the, you know, top 40, 50, 60 picks, you're, you're an elite prospect. But I, I'm – I'm with you guys. Sometimes it's hard to understand why there's such a swing, maybe 15, 20 spots, at least in terms of projections. Now, I think this asks a bigger question. Do we know as much as we think we know with the mock drafts? Like, I think all of us uh, who, who who follow this look at it and go, yeah, you know, 
in some form or fashion, it's going to be Neil Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Hamilton. Mm. That's going to be the top. But is is are we one hundred percent certain no. that inside the you know decision makers' offices that is what's going to happen? So I think sometimes there's kind of a reflection of changing information where maybe the more access, the more information there is, uh, pundits and analysts start to share that. I think some of it is momentum-based, too. I mean, we've all seen prospects that, for whatever reason, uh, you start to get a little more positive pub. Maybe people go back and take a second look at your tape. Uh, maybe, maybe you know, Kevin, like you said, a senior bowl workout or an interview, you know, and, and that turns into, hey, you go from being a mid-second-round pick to a mid-first-round pick. I mean, I, I understand that. I get all that. But I do think it's very fascinating to think about the fluctuations of the projections when, to your point, by the time we get to the draft, nobody will have played football in months. Yeah, but think about this, too. I mean, we always, and we were all golfers. Hey, Kevin, man, what you want the Masters, what you want the Masters dinner to be? Uh, you know what you like to eat, but now I'm picking it for everybody. Everybody got to eat it? It's like we have access to all the players. Yeah, all of them. It's one thing to say, hey, man, you got access to this number of players. I got access to all of them. Aiden Hutchinson, he good, but I got access to all of them. Yeah. Mm. Even them Georgia boys. Yeah. Alabama guy. That's what it really be. It's not. And I was told this. If you are in a decision making, if you are in a big time, you know, you got to make big time decisions, your job is to scrutinize. Like, even if I want you, I got to. And sometimes Kevin said, it's smoke screens, man. Let me make this guy sound like he's the worst to get people off of him. I don't want everybody looking at him, you know. But it's the draft, though, man. I think sometimes, man, we forget the fact that you can get you a Patrick Mahomes or you can get you Jamarcus Russell, right? And Jamarcus Russell went number one overall. So that, that, that's why I'm so screwed because everything they love about you is heightened when you do well. But when you don't pan out, man, when I tell you, I told you you got little hands, man. That, that stuff comes back to bite you. I told you. It's like coaches. The same reason why they hire you is going to be the same reason why they fire you. Man, I love his energy. Then when you get fired, he's too loud. See? Remember how to calm down. So I'm just telling you. Exactly. So I, I I just will say, welcome to the to the you know, welcome to the draft and welcome to welcome to scrutiny like you've never seen before. A lot of these guys' confidence could be potentially dashed before they even people thought that Miles Garrett wasn't going to pan out. How did that work out when I'm on overall? I'm telling you, sometimes you got to be patient, but I'm rooting for every last kid, every last young man uh, coming out, and I hope you go as high as you you hope to go. And sometimes it's just nonsense floated out there pre-draft. By do you teams. think the, the smoke screen? Uh, I mean, yeah. If I have the number two pick and I think I can protect that by floating out some nonsense, like, oh, man, we really like this guy. And maybe making the value of my pick better or maybe throwing off people thinking, man, I thought they were going to go here, but it sounds like they really might go this way. Oh, no, my guy's still there. And so uh, I'm going to take – I think there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes with what's leaked. All the Hey, talk to a team source and say they really like this guy. I'm talking – he's like number one on their big board. Are they going to draft him? Nope. Nope. Not going to do it. Just floating it out there to get people nervous. It's strategy. Why, why wouldn't you do it? It's strategy. I, and if you number two, though, you're saying, look, man, I I wouldn't go with that. I mean, and you hope you don't get it. And I up. wonder if that's the case with the quarterbacks because, right, for the longest time, and, Ben, you've talked about this, oh, man, this isn't a great quarterback class. Well, we've heard pundits who have said there are going to be five guys in the first round. So I don't know how you compare a great quarterback class versus a good quarterback class versus a, you know, whatever you want to say. But at the end of the day, quarterbacks are going to go high in the first round. Like, they're – they are, and these guys are good. This 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 group of quarterbacks, you know, Pickett, Willis, 
uh, Howell, Corral. I, these are really good quarterbacks. They're going to go in the first round. But remember, for the longest time, at least at the start of some of the pre-draft conversations, it was, well, maybe you only see one or two quarterbacks. Not happening. Not happening. You're going to see five. I mean, you're going to see at least five go in the first round. Mm, it's recycled speech. At the end of the day, let's, let's face it. Some of the stuff we ain't never seen or heard from these players before. We heard somebody say something. He's not that good. Where you play at? I don't know. I just know he's not that good based on what everybody's saying. It's recycled speech. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. If you missed it earlier, we'll hear from Ian Cummings talking about the NFL draft upcoming. We'll hear from him. A lot of great stuff there in that conversation. Stick with us. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com and on YouTube at ESPN Coastal. 